Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound and Vision is sponsored by Golden Artist Colors. Manufactured in upstate New York, an employee-owned company, Golden makes the best acrylics, oil paints, and watercolors that you can buy. You can find them in your local art store, or you can find them online at goldenpaints.com. Sound and Vision is supported by the New York Studio School, where drawing, painting, and sculpture are studied in-depth, debated energetically, and created with passion. The school's full-time programs, a two-year MFA, and a three-year certificate prioritize experimental learning and perception. Beginning in fall 2021, the Studio School welcomes artists from around the world to join its inaugural virtual certificate program. Combining the studio-centric emphasis of the school's teaching methods with an individual real-time approach to online learning, this full-time program is designed for serious artists and dedicated aspiring artists who seek to cultivate the studio skills and methods that will prepare them for a lifetime of art making. The priority application deadline is April 30th, 2021. Apply online today at nyss.org. Ndidi Emifiele is a mixed-media artist born in 1987. She earned a Bachelor's of Arts degree in painting from the Delta State University in Abraca. An award-winning artist, she won the Koja Art Award in 2003. She received her Master's in Fine Art at the prestigious Slade School of Art, University College in London, and her work takes a critical look at how society constructs identity and how it defines and confines the roles of gender. Ndidi's work has been featured in international media outlets like Al Jazeera and published in various magazines and online platforms including Visionary Artistry Magazine and Intense Art Magazine. Ndidi is well exhibited nationally in Nigeria and internationally her work can be found in major and important collections. I spoke with Ndidi about working in London, her formative and creative time in Nigeria, having kids, love of dance and music, and much more. Here's our conversation. But you have a very nice voice, so we've got that going for us too. Oh, really? Thank <laughs> yes. you. You're so kind. That's so flattering. Yeah. So, so thanks for taking the time out to talk to me. I mean, I've been following your work for a while. It's awesome. So I'm really excited to talk to you. I am too. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's kick it off. <laughs> <laughs> so what time is it there? It's like four in the afternoon, right? No, it's Five? about um, three, past three? three, just um, about 13 minutes past three in the afternoon. Nice. And uh, yeah. you're, you're in the studio? Well, this is the home studio. I just recently moved my studio, so I'm moving fully by... Um, next week yeah um, but I just retained this during the lockdown just so I can keep working but I right. might um, move all of this by next week to much um, bigger studio it's quite small in here so yeah so you had to yeah. sort of shuffle around during the 
the pandemic as far as your working situation? Yes, this served um, for that purpose. Yeah. Yeah, but ideally, I make very large work, so um, right. having a large space just is always um, works out best for me. So, um, I just got one which is about two thousand five hundred square meters. So that's really big. So I'm really excited. So I should move in next week. Um, but in the meantime, I always like to have a space at home to work, just so I can be um, by the kids and I can walk around the clock if I have to. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I I think that's it's great. I mean, it's funny because um I used to have I used to live where I worked and then I had my son and I ended up getting a studio out of fear of like, you know, having a baby crawling around through paints and stuff, <laughs> which never really and I I ended up keeping a little section of my apartment where I would work on small yeah. things anyways, which is great because sometimes you know, hauling off to the studio late at night or something is an ideal and you just want to be with the family. Yeah. So it's kind of nice. How but, old is your son now? Well, now he's, he's about to turn 14. So, Oh, yeah. yeah, he's a big boy now. He's doing his thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, my my son comes up here, but he does not like the floor. It's, he's, he, he, it's too untidy for him. So whenever he comes in here, he tiptoes. But most of the time he would just avoid it. <laughs> Because of the messy floor, so that helps. Otherwise, he would turn the whole place upside down. Oh, yeah. How old is he? He's um, two plus. He's about 16, 17, 18 months. Oh, yeah. yeah. So he's fully mobile and uh, probably getting into a lot, right? So energetic. Yeah. It's infectious, right? Well, it's funny because they they give you energy and they take away. They do. <laughs> they giveth and they take. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's a good way to look at it. So you just have one son? No. So it's a total of three kids I have. So I have my hands full. Um so I my son is he was he was two in December, so and this is March, so he's about fifteen, um about twenty five more oh, I'm just bad in mathematics. Yeah, so he's about <laughs> 27 months right. and then my my sister who passed away um sometime in 2019 left the four months old with me oh, um so I'm sorry. my son thank you my son was just two months at the time so i was nursing him and i took on the four months old as well and began to nurse her so she's she's just two months older than him so she's also two plus so right. literally they're like twins um, and then the last one is just nine months. Oh my old. goodness! So, nine months today, so it's crazy. So technically, like a pandemic era baby. Yes. Which must uh, I, I was had that extremely stressful. Oh my god! It was. It was so stressful because um, normally you get to spend um, about two three days in the hospital afterwards. Right. It was a cesarean section, but. Um, during that period, it was just one day, so you don't have enough time to heal. Yeah. And also, you just can't have family members around you, you know, because of the safety of others and themselves as well. So right. it was just so hectic. And it was a, a fast recovery, so you just had no option than to recover and leave the hospital the next day. And, yeah, but um, we're aware the baby is fine. So yeah, well, thank thank yeah. goodness it wasn't your first child, right? Because I well maybe maybe not, but I feel like 
with the first child, you're so nervous about every single thing. You know what I mean? You're like panicked. Yeah. And then, sure. I mean, I only have one son, but I can imagine that if I did have another child, I would be probably be a little yeah. more chill about it. You know, <laughs> not sweating every <laughs> single detail. Do you think that's true? I think so. I think so. When it's the first, you know, it's, I mean, I remember being a new parent just for the first time and mine, I think it was just so different, you know, when you're, you're prepared, mentally prepared for one child yeah. and you get hit with two, as opposed to if you're carrying twins, you have nine months to prepare for the arrival of two babies. So right, you're ready. I just had one and within two months, another one. Oh so my gosh. I, yeah, I think I was just confused the whole time and trying to figure it out. Right. You know, so it's, it was a different experience, but it's, yeah. Well, it's, you know, I feel like parenting at the beginning is kind of like someone kicking you into the, into a deep pool, you know, you just got to figure out yeah. like you, as much as you plan for it, once you get kicked in that water, you just got to swim, you know, you just figure it out. Yeah, True. Not, not easy though. But so, wow, during the pandemic and then were you able to just keep working? Did you take a lot of time off? No, I couldn't. I had um, my solo show was opening in October, yeah. um, the start of October last year, and I had her in June. Right. So I had to, I think I took um, four weeks, three weeks, four weeks off after the birth of the baby, and I was back in the studio because I just had to um, get the work done. Yeah, so. I had to do it. Right? Yeah, but it was same as the first. I think that's about the longest I have taken of the studio in recent times. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, um, that sounds like a, a, a very busy year. <laughs> yeah. It's, it just gets busier and busier each year. You know, you just feel, okay, maybe next year would be less busy. I'll do this and do that, but it just gets so cramped up and yeah, you're just unable to get a lot done. Right. Yeah. And then where, where are you at? Where do you live? What's what town? So I'm in Northampton. It's it's um it's just about less than an hour to London on a um, straight train. Um, so it's in the UK and not very far from from London. My uh, uh my my UK ge geography is pretty sparse. I admit to being poor at it, but it's basically informed by football. <laughs> Okay. Only, oh, okay. That's my geo <laughs> geographic sort of knowledge of the UK is based on football teams. Um, yeah. So is it north or is it south of or? Um, it this this is the West Midlands. Okay. Yes. Yes. And then do you so. have more space? I mean, do you find like you said you've got a big studio? Um, yeah, it's it's huge. Is it a little easier to get space where you are? It should. I, I just feel like you get more value for money in terms of space. Yeah. So, working outside of London was by choice. I had my um, graduate program at UCL um, University College at the Slate School of Fine Art, which is in London. Right. And yeah. I just find working in London so distracting. Maybe because I have a lot of friends and they want to be at the pub every other day. <laughs> right. You know, so I just kept giving excuses. So. Um, that was one reason. Um, it's just easier when I make out time and go as opposed to just all the time. Um, also, space-wise, you just get more space here. And with the, the nature of 
the size of the works I do, space is very important to me. And also with the kids, I right. just needed more, even more space, you know. So um, you get the London, you just, space is, is luxury. You just, it's so hard getting, you know, the kind of space um, you want. So I, I have that here. That's so. great. So um, I'm interested in like NDD as a kid. Like, when did art enter your life, and when did you become? Like, were you always inclined to be artistic and to sketch or draw, or when did you, you know, what was it like as a young kid? Um, yeah, I if I remember vividly, um, very early on, I can't remember the very very start, but I just got little uh, memories of just sketching all over the walls in the neighborhood. I was just speaking to someone yesterday and I was telling her, I remember drawing the cards in a communal space in the neighborhood and I had a neighbor come knock at our home mm-hmm. and he gave me a bucket of water to wash it off, wash the cards off the wall. And he gave me this pile of papers, you know, just to make the sketches on the papers. I just <laughs> couldn't keep my hands to myself. I was drawing everywhere all over the neighborhood i think it, it gave my parents some concern because my ju- dad just felt i wouldn't focus on any other subject other than art and it, you know when the the school when well, the school was in session um i would misplace all my notebooks for other subjects except my job my sketch pad would be intact right. i just didn't care about the other subjects it was just only arts that made sense to me um, so I just kept kept the feed, but I had a cousin at the time who was an artist, but he passed away in 93 and I was really a kid, but I remember making sketches at the time before he passed away and showing them to him. And he was pretty impressed that they were just scribbles lines and he was pretty impressed. And I just kept on drawing and got into what we call primary school. That's like the elementary school and just going for arts competitions, going into the secondary school, that's um, our own version of the high school, and going for more arts competitions, which were always successful. So that sort of um, gave my parents the boost they needed to support me because back in Nigeria, um, art is seen as a means... Well, it's it's changed. It's changing over time, but... Yeah it's considered a means to no end. And, you know, parents are just so concerned as to what you choose to do, being able to provide and being lucrative enough so you can sustain yourself. Um, so the competitions, the outcome just kept encouraging them and some were televised nationally. So my dad liked the idea of going to places and being told, oh, I saw your daughter on TV. That's you know, cool. so yeah, yeah. I think so. They, I got their encouragement later on, not at the initial stage. So I started pretty early. I didn't have an idea of what being an artist really meant. I just knew I loved to draw. So when um, people would walk up to me and as a kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, I'd happily say, I want to be an artist and I want to go to Oxford and Cambridge. <laughs> you know, and they'll just reply, are your parents aware you want to be an artist? That's not good. Maybe you should just consider architecture. It's 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 similar, but it's better, you know. And little me would just be like, okay, okay, that's fine. 
Um, yeah, so I think that's where it all started from. Right. Well, it's it's great that you had that those glimmers of like that, um, seeing the the pride in your father, like uh, with when it comes to the TVs. I feel like if you have those moments where you you know your parents or or your peers see you succeed in something or you know mm-hmm. see that kind of value, it kind of encourages you to keep with it. You know, not that that's necessity, but it does help your confidence. I think. Were your parents oh, yes, at all creative? Does. Were they? Did they have creative streaks? No, no. but. <laughs> I it's got to be in there somewhere, right? In the extended family, because oh, okay. my cousin was an artist, and my sisters and I would all make drawings and sketches. But along as we all we all grew out, grew up, they grew out of it. So. Yeah, that's sad. Yeah. Growing out of being artistic, it's hard <laughs> because to your point, there's so much conditioning to where it's like, well, you're not going to really be able to like eat or pay the bills if you keep with that so people just get conditioned out of it but there's probably so many people yes. who want to create or have that creative streak but it gets suppressed you know absolutely absolutely it's still it's still happening because i have friends who um, are teachers and i had one you know send me a message the other day and she said i have this kid um at the school i teach who really wants to who is really interested in the arts and um the, the mother or the father i'm not sure we just keep suppressing it and does not want to see them um, draw, paint. Um, would you help me speak to the parents? So even till now, it's still an issue and still lingering on. Yeah. Which is funny because I feel like when it comes to sports, it's probably even more rare for you to actually go and be a professional athlete. But but parents will just encourage it because they like watching it or they're, they're you know what I mean? Like they'll be like, yeah, go for it. Like work harder, work harder. And a lot of times the kids don't even want to do it anymore. And they're still like, you got to do that, you know? But when it comes to something like art, which may be seen in the realm of academia of like, oh, well, this isn't something you can actually get a job in, you know? It's like pragmatic um, thought on art is much more heavy than other areas for some reason. It's a yeah, stigma. Well, I, if, if I'm to take, um, you know, Nigeria, where I live for some time as um, um, an example, I, I just feel like it just depends on the level of exposure and the amount of information these parents do have. Um, they are, they are, they've got more examples of successful sports people you know, than artists, and they're also not aware as to what happens in the arts, in the world of arts. You know, you have to probably be very in tune with a lot of what's happening there and read to be really aware as opposed to the sports, which the information, what um, footballers earn and all of that is right in front of you. It's in the the newspapers, it's on TV. So they they have all of this information and they just want their kids to go and play for these leagues. They they just don't When you have conversations with some of them and you tell them a bit about, you know, the art world, you know, and some of these works and what they go for, they're really blown away. So I just think it's just um, a lot of them are just ignorant or not as informed about happenings in the arts. Right. Well, um, so what area of Nigeria did you grow up in? I grew up in the northern part of Nigeria, which is very conservative. I was going to say, yeah, because... It's not Yoruba, right? What what language did you speak? I actually don't speak any Nigerian language. Just English? 
What was there a yes. regional dialect? Because isn't there like two hundred dialects in in Nigeria? Yeah, just there's so many. I, I've lost count. I really don't know. But um, the three major languages are Yoruba, right. Igbo, and Hausa. Yeah. So Hausa is what is predominantly spoken in the northern part. Um, so I was born there, but my parents are not from the north. They're from the south. Okay. So they have they have their own dialect, the language they speak, which is called Ika or Agbo. Mm-hmm. Um, so if probably if we had if we were born in the south, we may have that myself or my siblings may have been able to um, speak the language. So growing up in the north, having the neighbors and those around speak in the Hausa language. Um, I just feel like English was what we all communicated with just to understand each right, other. Right. So my parents at home weren't speaking the language, so we just didn't pick it. And I also don't think we have a flair for languages, my siblings and I, because we, we didn't pick up the northern language. We didn't learn our own language. So it's just so um, difficult. Well, I can, I, it just seems yeah. so uh, tricky with all those dialects and all the different languages, you know, to be able to, you, it's almost like out of a necessity, there has to be some sort of like median language to connect it all. You know what I mean? Well, we have the pidgin English, which um, a lot of us can speak and right. can understand, which, which has become like the lingua franca in especially the middle belt, the southern region. Yeah. They have a way whereby they funky funkify the, the, the pidgin English just the way you have the um Jamaican patois. So right, right. so they just sort of funkify it in a way and just use it as a universal language because the the average man can understand it, you know, the the middle class will, the you know, so that's what a lot of people speak. But then again, you still have the three major languages, which is spoken by the vast majority. Right. And the language of art. You had that too. Yes. <laughs> the universal language. <laughs> so yes. I, I happen to love music and play music. And that's, I mean, it's Sound and Vision. We talk about music a lot. And, you know, I've, I love high life and juju and like I've listened to Nigerian music for a long mm. time. So I wonder like, what was music like growing up? Was it something that you were really into? Was it in the house or, you know, what was your relationship to music? Um, music still has um, a strong influence on my work. So we, we were surrounded by music though. Growing up was um, mostly gospel music mm-hmm. that my parents they introduced that and um, going into the high institution um, welcomed other music. But I've always music and dance, which go hand in hand. I've always been, yeah. I've always been into dance. So in my secondary school, which is the high school, I I was in a dance group. Is and it's called the Igbo Cultural Dance Group. Mm-hmm. Um, so when um, you're, when you, you, you're quite good in, in the routines and the choreography, they make you the leader of the group, which um, thankfully I became the leader of the Igbo cultural troupe at the time. So it's just cultural dances, but with very good cultural music. And then I got to university, puberty setting. I just didn't care about being in any dance group. Yeah. Um, I was just occupied with other things. I got into the university and I, I was part of a hip-hop dance group again because I've always loved music and dance. So um, the 
the juju, the Afro, the Fuji music, and some foreign music as well, hip hop. Um, so we just did a lot of break dancing, also some Nigerian. We 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 have um, names for a lot of the Nigerian dances. Um, we have the galala, the twirl, and all of those. So music has always been very important. Actually, music and dance. Yeah. Um, well, that's, that's I a, love movement. It's a perfect yeah. um, connection because I feel like there's so much, like if you're inclined to it, there's so much of a parallel beauty relationship to music and art. I mean, it's totally different in a way, but then there's something really similar to it. But then if you add that third element of dance, that's really kind of a nice triangulation between, because, you know, whether you're painting or sculpting or most um, visual art forms, there is a sort of dance and a movement to making the image, you know, especially like if you're working large scale like you are, you know, you're moving around and there's a real kind of like fluid and dance. And to think of, you know, color entering that movement and dance with the canvas is kind of a, a beautiful thing. Absolutely. And I've, I've also always maintained the tradition of dancing in the studio. So, just preparing to move into the new space, I sort of outlined the list of things I need to um, get. So I have um, a massive mirror on that list. Just I I just feel like there's big enough space for me to create um, like a mini dance studio. So I just feel whenever I get sort of bored or just tired of the part, any particular work, I just start to dance because I work with music as well. So there are times where you just switch and just want to just take out some time to dance and then get back to the work and it just gives you some some reading yeah, yeah and could set the tone for for the painting i totally agree and i admit to doing it with no professional background in an absolute <laughs> disregard for like professionalism but it's such a great like to cuz i'm in the studio i don't really like to listen to podcasts or the radio or TV or anything like that. I really like to turn up the music and, you know, you can't help but move whenever you're listening yeah. to music like that. So it kind of enters in the equation and it's nice. It breaks up the monotony sometimes of, you know, sitting there and working on an area over and over. You mm -hmm. get stiff and you just want to move. Are those your paintings in the background? Um, that one, which uh, is one that my son did when he was like three or four years old, I really? think. Really? But that one is one of mine, yeah. And then these are just, these are all uh, friends of mine, friends who are artists that I've traded with, like works on paper. And then, yeah. So, so yeah, that one back there is mine. They're really stunning, but I'm just so drawn to your son's work. Oh, thanks. Yeah, well, it's... thank you for him. Yeah. Well, those were the, those were the days when you know, uh, there's that moment in a child's like sort of artistic development when he's, when they first start, it's just motion. Like this color's yeah. just happening. And then like later on, they get really self-conscious about like, Oh, well it doesn't look like a person or, or it looks like this, but there's a beautiful sort of Matisse and mid ground there. Like, I don't know what age it is, but it's just for a short amount of time where, mm -hmm. They're conscious of the color and what they're pushing around, but they're not really self-conscious about what it's becoming. And it's a really beautiful moment. And that was definitely from it that, that era. Is. Yeah. And now it's like, no, yeah. forget it. Nothing's good enough and no thanks, you know, <laughs> and he just plays music. So it's a different thing. 
Yeah, and your work behind you looks really good as well. Thank you. Yeah, though I can't see so much of it. Your head is in the way. I know, I'm blocking my art. <laughs> <laughs> my big head. Well, this is, uh, so in my house, I have like kind of an office room where I do recordings and work on, I do a lot of work on the computer, like I do animations and stuff too. So um, I've kind of like to what you were saying, it's nice to have a space at home and then like a studio proper as well. I kind of like working between places, you know, it's, it's a nice, it feels like you can yes. re reset, you know, recharge and see things differently. But I mean, I imagine Absolutely. for you, like speaking of like resetting and seeing things differently, when did you move? Like, did you move for school or did you move earlier than that? So um, I moved for school in 2014. Um, so it was a two-year program. I was um, here from 2014 to 2016 um, at the stretch. Um, I can count how many times I traveled out during that period. Yeah. Um, just a few times. So it was here was my, my, my base at the time. And then... Um, I went back to Nigeria before the end of 2016, but I was still frequenting the UK because I, I I'd always worked with, I've been, I'd been working with the gallery here since 2016. So I had to come for shows, come all the time, see family. So it was like a second home. Um, um, I, I was considering moving at the time, but I think I was just, I was contemplating and going back and forth. And then when, my sister passed away. We were really, really close and yeah. we were almost inseparable. And when she passed away in 2019, February, um, I just felt like there wasn't anything keeping me back in Nigeria because she was the, the probably the only friend, a close friend I had um, at the time. A lot of my friends had relocated out of Nigeria, so I just made up my mind in 2019 and before the end of 2019 we moved yeah um here was it a big i mean i mean obviously it's a big shift because it's far but i mean you know culturally and everything was it was it a massive adjustment or did you feel pretty i mean i i would imagine school sort of like gives a that structure to it that you have to jump into which keeps your mind busy with all that stuff right Yes, I feel the the first time around I moved here, that was the bigger adjustment. This time around, I was, I was very familiar with a lot of things, the system, how it works here. So it didn't feel like a big adjustment this time around. And back in Nigeria, I'd always maintained the home studio. So I was mostly working from home, yeah. which is what I began doing when we moved here as well. So... Um, it wasn't a big change. Um, it was just the first time around where the two out that it was a two year course, and the first year I spent the, the whole time trying to figure out everything, how things work here. The train system, I kept hopping on the wrong trains, getting off in the middle of nowhere, starting the journey all over again. It was so frustrating. Um, I, I have a close friend at the uni. Um, we were at the uni together, and when we were recounting our experience back then, I just told her, I said, the first year, I was so confused. And she said, you really looked lost. <laughs> <laughs> so now it's a lot better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you've acclimated. And what, what kind of work were you doing when you entered school? So I was working on mostly portraitures. It was just, just the boss. Um, the torso, I, I wasn't making full-bodied formed 
um, full-bodied figures. I was just making this portraitures with the glasses, like pop works, um, fun. They, it all looked like fun, you know, happy-looking females and very colorful, vibrant works. Um, and then I feel like art school just shakes you and breaks you and gets you to that point where you begin to unlearn everything. And I think that happened. I didn't see, I didn't think that was going to happen because I graduated from the university undergraduates in 20, 2007, which was seven years before I went to art school. Right. So I sort of found my voice and my artistic language was quite, you know, formed. And I just felt, okay, this is it, just go from here. And I got to art school and um, it sort of opened up my mind and my perspective and broadened my horizon as to what I could accept or consume or as art. And um, prior to the time, there are a lot of works I would appreciate now that back then I would just probably disregard or just know this is so bad. I don't like this. So um, um, I think that's what art school did. So the question was what sort of works? I think I'm just um, derailing. So it was just po mainly portraitures, just small works, mostly small works actually around the 100 cm, 70 cm um, size works. Yeah. Right. yeah. So in getting in school, was it a combination of maybe all the faculty voices and critiques and then also all the peers and seeing everyone, you know, all this different work being made by all these people? Yeah, seeing that I'd never worked in a communal space prior right. to art school. Um, I just worked at, oh, I was also in Abuja. Lagos is the creative hub of Nigeria. It's yeah. more dynamic um, landscape for the arts. So I, in Abuja, there was just nothing happening. There wasn't that um, avenue to interact with other artists. There is now to some extent, but at the time, it was it was not not um, non-existent. So I was just making works, making works. So I feel like I had already created um, a good work ethic in the studio, but having dialogue with other artists that was not happening. So art school sort of um, forced me to do that, and I think that also helped because you also find your voice within, you know, some of these conversations. Um, um, and dialogues with the other artists, and also having tutorials with visiting tutors. Yeah. You have we had artists like Lynette, um, Yadom, oh, um, just all so She's so she good. Is. Those paintings. <laughs> Sorry, I th those yeah. paintings are. There's some artists that I just I, I feel like I've I, I admire a lot of artists, and there's a lot of work I love, and then there's this other tier. And she's definitely in that other tier. Those those paintings are knockouts. She's amazing, and if just not just the works, her personality as well. The conversation I had with her, the tutorial, I feel had a huge impact on my works. Um, so some of those tutorials were very helpful because you had lots of guest tutors coming, some from the Royal Academy, some other practicing artists who are doing very well. Um, yeah, so all of those shaped my work. And also some of the tutors at the slave who are with you for some time are able to see 
you know, some of, some of your potentials that you can't see. I remember, you know, having one of them, you know, just tell me he sees that potential to just paint this hu huge um, size of works, you know, and obviously he was there, you know, just keep going, keep pushing. And um, so it was, it was helpful at the, the time and while being in the art school, you just can't say how helpful the whole, um, how helpful it is. But I feel like in the long run, I, you begin to see the dividends. So yeah. yeah, it's hard in the moment, right? It's like a it little, is. a little overwhelming. And I mean, I, I'm That's saying that too, as you know, like when I went to grad school, as I can't imagine going to a complete other country. You know what I mean, and diving into that process as well, because that just adds another layer of, of like kind of. You know, yeah. I mean, I went from Pennsylvania to Connecticut and that seemed like a big move, <laughs> <laughs> which is not a big move. So I can only imagine, although, you know, it will a I think those prog programs like that, I, I agree with you. I think like visiting artists is such a great part of that, too, because you'll have your teachers who have just been teaching all the time. But they bring in all these artists who aren't necessarily teachers. They just come in and they're fellow artists who bring a different angle, mm -hmm. which is really great to have in the studio, you know? Yeah. So when you, when you graduated, what was the plan? Did you have a, you know, did you have a pretty firm plan of how you were going to transition into just making work? And at this point you were already showing work, right? While you were in school. Yes. So that's, yes, how was, is that? Cause that's a little odd because you're going through this big shift, but at the same time you're also showing. So. I was showing works. I was represented by a Nigerian gallery um, at the time. Um, so we weren't having a lot of shows because I was in school. So it was just, we just had a few art fairs, I believe Art 15 and 154, mm -hmm. Contemporary Art Fair at the time. Um, the plan was, um, to, I mean, I always, I'm always up for a challenge. Um, so being in Nigeria, just being in that space and just keep making works in that space, I just wanted to see what was out there. I wanted to stretch myself. You know, I remember telling my dad and I was going um, to art school and he didn't understand it. He, he just he told me, What's, what, what, have you considered these great art schools we have back here? <laughs> you know, do you really need to go? Um, I told him I have to. And eventually when i finished and i came back and he understood um some of the reasons why i had to he could see the change yeah um so it was well i feel like some a lot of my colleagues in art schools obviously had to take on the time jobs um just to be able to afford art materials and just keep um the whole thing running so i didn't take that up so I was mostly busy in the studio, just trying to get works done. So I could also have some works to exhibit apart from just having works um, in the studio for the program. And so I think that was just the only thing that felt different. Other than that, it, I just felt like any other um, student and graduate program, just making works and going through the whole process. Yeah. Um, when you sort of got out and were started making your work what was was the content of your work pretty much like what you're doing in the the way that it you know what it currently is and you know what we're familiar with with seeing out in the world or was it did it still shift after school quite a bit 
And were you working at that um, scale as well? Or is that something you did once you got out of school? No, while in school, I began to make very big works. Um, I began to, though I'm obviously making much bigger works now, but um, in my graduate show, I had some three meters by over two meter size works, which are quite big. So I began to make some big works um, in graduate school. Um, what I was making shifted a bit, but it was still very much in line with what I came in. I just think I had a different approach um, to making and um, just had, um, began to introduce other materials and other ideas into the work. But what I'm currently making now is it's completely different from what I was making a few years ago. I feel like a lot happened between 2017 and 2019 um, that sort of changed my perspective on um, life and how I look at just living, basically. Um, so it's what I'm making now is different. My last exhibition, I just feel was so different from um, the the solo before that. Yeah. Yes. And you, as far as like the um, the materials that you use, you do use varied materials, right? Like what's your, is your I process do. kind of like working? You said you still like to draw and, and it looks like, you know, from behind you, I don't know if that's watercolors that you're doing, but it, you're you're actively working on paper as well, right? Yeah, but this is a this is a work on canvas. Though. No, the this one is, to uh, that side, to the other side. No, those are um, paper um, papers I printed. Um, some of them are painting. Some are just reference photographs I printed. Okay. So, yes. Yeah, so, but I work on papers. Um, I I I started out with working on paper, and then I shifted completely to working on the canvas though the initial stage it was just working on small scale paper um and then i began working on very large um paper um over three meters sometimes i could get to four meter size and papers so i still work on papers um i use a lot of fabrics um compact disc um just anything I can lay my hands on. I'd always maintain a studio from home. So I think I just began to introduce a lot of the items that, that just laid around in the right, bedroom yeah. where I was working at the time before at school. Um, I use, um, I get this vintage clock bezels. I get some of them on eBay auction. Um, I'm just looking around to see what I can see, but I just... <laughs> Yeah, I love textures. I love that tactile feel of material. So I just, um, whatever I, sometimes it's just an experiment and it stays an experiment, but I'd rather just try it out and see what it looks, feels like or what it comes out like. Yeah, and the the imagery in the work, is a lot of it invented or are you using a lot of, are you looking at life ever or, or you know, photographs? Like how do you sort of... Uh, generate those images is it references is a combination i'm sure it's a combination of like imagination as well but yeah. yes so i i imagine the composition then i begin to look for references that sort of fits the idea together so i feel like that's what takes 
most of the time, um, executing the work itself doesn't take so long, but piecing all of those ideas and thoughts together. So I could take this face off this individual, I take this arm off another one, this foot off one um, dude, and I begin to piece them all together. So a lot of it is um, imagined and um, the initial idea most of the time is just not how it ends, the work ends. I introduced so many other things that were in there at the start. Yeah. So it really does have that collage feel in process and in look. So it's kind of taking these elements, disparate elements and like combining them together. Um, Yes. Yeah. So that, that, and when you're working, you can imagine like the physicality of that process resonating with like dance and music as well. So like in the studio, is it, are you a music person or are you silence? Are you radio interviews or what do you do? Um, all of those you mentioned at different times in the process of the work. Um, there's a time where I just want it dead silence. I need to figure out what I'm doing with the work and I get to a confident level where I feel okay. I can dance now while I work. And then I get to a time where I feel like I need, I need to fill my mind up with some information. Then I could start to listen to, um, it could be an Instagram live um, interview or just something. And so I do all of that, but a lot of the time I have music um, playing. Yeah. And uh, well, I can imagine that, you know, having three kids will definitely make you want to have silence at times. Well, what it's done is I have to have the music on a low volume just so I can hear if anyone is screaming. Though, um, thankfully, I have have a little help, but still I have to have the music um, on low volume so I could always run. Like, I've I've just, I feel motherhood just, you know, changes you in so many ways, stretches you and just helps you adapt to a lot of things. Prior to now, when I start working, I just don't want any kind of distraction. I just want to, but now I can switch out, switch in, switch out, switch in, and the process still still goes on. So I have music. I just can blast it to the highest volume like I used to. Right, yeah. I used to love to wear headphones, like noise canceling, and just go really loud so it's immersive. But it's a thing that I don't... One of the striking things about being a parent is that... at least for some, I'm sure for me, it's like, you feel like you're never really off the grid. Like you're always kind of like you have an ear out or an eye out and you're just ready. You know what I mean? You're always on call. Yeah. It's like a feeling that that never leaves. I'm sure it doesn't just doesn't leave you. You just always feel like you're at the ready. You know what I mean? Like I used to just put the phone down like, you know, and, and just not pay attention to it the entire, like I could turn the world off, you know what I mean? But like when my, when my kid's in school, like I, I always have to have it nearby because I feel like, well, what if someone, what if I get a call? You know what I mean? You got to be on call. Especially when they are so tender. I feel when they get um, a little grown, I feel it, it will be different. But at this stage, you just have to have an ear down and eye out. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, well, so as far as like showing your work, obviously you've shown in, in Nigeria and you've shown in London, but like how, 
you know, how far and wide have you shown and are there places that you want to show that you haven't shown yet? Um, we've shown in the States um, many times. We've yeah. shown at um, Chicago, New York. Um, those are the two I remember about several times in those locations. Um, we've shown in Europe as well um, and South Africa. A lot in the UK. Um, um, Brussels um, in April. It was meant to be last year. I think it was moved because of COVID. It didn't hold. Um, so that's still Europe. Okay. Um, right. So yeah, Europe, the states, and Asia. I can't. I, I don't remember any. So yeah, I'd want to show in in Asia. I have a few good collectors in in Asia, but I want to show it there. So yeah. we haven't um, done that. Do you, um, do you travel a lot? Um, Are you more of a, well, I mean, I would imagine it's tough <laughs> to just travel, yeah. like, you know, traveling with, pre, with, pre-babies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pre-babies, we, I, we used to travel. We used to go on vacations once or twice in the year. Um, that hasn't happened since 2019. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not a lot of people have traveled since late 2019. Yeah. <laughs> so the last was, in, I think, January. Oh, oh, no, that was 2018. That was the last time we, we, uh, we traveled. But I have a vacation with my, my girlfriend in Mexico in June. Nice. So I'm very much looking forward to that. She's spending a month. Um, she wants her, her daughter to learn Spanish. I'm spending a week. I don't have the luxury of one month away from this kid. Right, you know? right. So um, that one week could probably be the longest. I'll be away from them in a long time. Um, so, and also I, I might have another show in Europe um, sometime in October, which I may travel for. Um, then also working towards... Um, um, a museum show with the Mokada Museum next year, spring. I think they're opening up their new space in um, Brooklyn. So making works for that. And hopefully I plan to travel for it when the time comes. So there might be a few traveling lined up. I just hope it all happens and COVID doesn't take us by, just doesn't bring any other surprises. We've just had enough. Right. Yeah. No, definitely. It'd be yeah. great to get to some sort of normalcy, you know? And it'd be great yeah. if you showed in Brooklyn because that's where I live. So I'd be able to see that work. Oh, really lovely. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we have a book coming out as well. Maybe when once that's out, I could send you a copy as oh, well. Oh, that's great. Yes. What is it just like a cat, like, uh, yes, uh, your work catalog, date, but it's, it's yes, it's a comprehensive one. It's quite voluminous. Nice, yeah, that's great. It would be great to see, you know, having a book like that. It's so nice to be able to see mm-hmm. the work and to like hold it and instead of just clicking through it on a web page. Yeah. Still love books, yeah. you know, especially for viewing <laughs> work. It's such a nice thing. Yeah, that's is. great. So for people who want to check out your stuff, the best way. I mean, you're on Instagram. You share stuff there, right? And you have your website, which is just your um, name. The the gallery the gallery also has um, a good um, good amount of works on their website. Then my Instagram. I think that's about it. Where one can get to see recent works. Right. Yeah. Great. 
All right. Well, it was, it was really nice to talk to you today. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you. It was so chill. I was a bit nervous because I haven't had. I'm like, okay, the podcast. What, what, you know? But this was really, really good. Yeah. Oh. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Sound and Vision is recorded and produced and edited by myself. Uh, you can check out more information on the podcast at soundandvisionpodcast.com and you can see more images on Instagram at soundandvisionpodcast. If you could leave a rating and review on iTunes, it really helps. Many thanks to Ndidi for joining me from London to speak about her work and her life. And many thanks to Michael Lovett for his introduction. And make sure you check out his remix record that just came out. It's on Spotify and all the platforms and it's remixes of his uh, recent album, Pure Luxury. So check that out. Support Michael and Nazca Lines. And many thanks to Lullatone who did the intro and outro music that you're hearing now. And make you sure that you check out Lullatone's new single, which is available on all the platforms that I actually did the cover artwork for. Uh, that's out anywhere you get music, Bandcamp, Apple Music, Spotify. So check that out as well. Uh, and many thanks for listening. <laughs> Very well. <laughs>